Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. All right, it's episode eight, Pain Points of Wealth the news in plain sight. You've seen the headlines. We give you the real story. And guys, the headwinds continue to blow. Uncertainty continues to be at heightened levels right now. We're actually recording this on the day of the first of three presidential debates. So that's going to be really interesting. I'll see how that transpires. But I think the bottom line is right now, what you're hearing, what you're seeing is everyone's feeling like the economy's starting to stall. You know, we've had a V-shaped recovery, and there's a consensus out there that maybe we're done with it. It's over. We've had our rebound here. Now things are going to stall. We got the second wave of the pandemic that may happen as the weather gets colder. And you know, one of the questions I'm getting over and over again, is it time to cash out before the election? So the question is, is the economic rebound finally over? And is it time to go to cash, Bob? I don't know. What do you think? You know, I don't know, Rye. I don't get it. I mean, why are you only getting that question? I get that question every single day. I get it on the weekends. Hey, Bob, we got the election. We got the Supreme Court. We got riots. We got no stimulus. What else can go wrong? I mean, I'm really worried. Chris, what else can go wrong? I don't know, Dad. Maybe the Chinese could invade, or maybe we could have another round of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, if you think it, it probably could go wrong. Well, the thing is, the market loves stuff going wrong because, you know, when there's uncertainty, the market climbs a wall of worry. It drives people crazy that the market, if you go back over your lifetime, the market is going up against a wall of worry. There's never been a time where there's been certainty. We're always worried about something. I'll tell you what I'm worried about. I was watching the sky last night. I think Jupiter might hit Mars. I think I saw that headline. But wait a second, guys. So what you're telling me is everything that your clients are worried about and everyone you're talking to is worried about are the same things that everybody I'm talking to is worried about. Does that mean that everybody's thinking the same thing at the same time? And I don't want to go on a limb here, but could that also mean that the market might have already priced in all this news? <laughs> so, you know, it seems to me like everyone always comes to the same conclusions at the same time, which doesn't make them that valuable if we had to be real about it. Well, you know what they say in every election, it's the economy, stupid. So Chris, what's going on with the economy? Well, I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about housing. I think that's not really anybody's talking about. You know, we're in the middle of a recession right now and housing is in an absolute boom. And just to put that in perspective, the Dow Jones Home Construction Index is up 125% since the March lows. Compare that to the S&P 500, which is up only about 50%. So housing's outperforming the market. Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely. Well, no, guys, it's soaring. Forget it. It's, I mean, that they're huge numbers. And what we have to remember is for parts of the economy that aren't doing well, like let's face it, we know that restaurants, hotels, they're not doing great right now. But every job that you get in housing, the multiplier effect of all the jobs around that are huge. Just think about that. You buy a new home in the suburbs, then you go to Home Depot, then you need to, you know, put the new furniture in the home and all the different parts of the economy that affects is a huge positive multiplier. So there's parts of the economy not only booming, but they have a multiplier effect that basically offset a lot of the losses in other parts of the economy. 
So you know what happens, Guy? In every bull market, the surprises come on the upside. Now, I think a big positive surprise that's coming is GDP. I'm hearing some pretty big numbers, Chris. Yeah, even though the economists have lowered the fourth quarter GDP number, Dad, real GDP for the third quarter is up as much as 30%. Okay, so that officially means we're out of a recession, guys. We're no longer in a recession. We're in a new economic up cycle <laughs> for the record here. Well, Rod, do you think the economists have figured that out yet? I keep reading economists. They tell me doom and gloom all the time. Remember, Bob, economists react. They don't project. <laughs> so, good point. Good, good thing to keep in mind. Keep that in mind. Good rule of thumb. Money's really cheap still. You know, the uh, Federal Reserve chairman said he's going to keep interest rates low for longer than anybody anticipates. Some people are saying out to 2023 now. And that goes back to my point earlier, Dad, about the fact that we're in a housing boom. Because rates are so low, that's inspiring people to go out and buy homes because they're able to borrow cheap money. Yeah, I have a lot of people that went out where they would normally buy cash for a home or a second home, and they're taking out a mortgage because the rates are so cheap. And they figure the arbitrage opportunity of their own portfolio, they can always liquidate to pay off the mortgage, or why not borrow when rates are ridiculously low? Yeah, which basically that's like a tax credit to the consumer because basically if you're borrowing less now, that's less money on a monthly basis that you're putting out, which also brings me to this other big headline that we keep hearing about, second wave of the pandemic, right? That's just going to slow the economy down. That's going to basically derail this fantastic V-shaped recovery we've had. But I wonder, you know, we talk a lot about this vaccine, but maybe we don't even need a vaccine, you know, with all the data out there and the fact that we're doing more testing and we're able to have a better idea who has the virus, who doesn't have the virus, and we're able to control it. And we're at a point now where about 35% of the way there, if we get to like 75% of the way there with the data around who has the virus and who doesn't have it, well, that could get us back to quote unquote normal even quicker than having that vaccine, which realistically, we might not even be able to take for another year or two. Well, first of all, the market never goes down on the same news twice. So even if there is a second wave, the market's not going to have that big crash like we did in February, March. Or if it does, it'll be the first time in history. Second, you got news every day. I mean, J&J came out with a vaccine the other day, and they're in stage three trials. And their vaccine is going to be easier to distribute because you don't have to refrigerate it. So there's so much good news coming out in terms of the virus, right? It's still scary. It's still there. But I think we can handle a lot better as a society. You know what scares me? is the fact that we're talking about all these good things that can happen. And what scares me, if I'm sitting in cash right now, to your point, Bob, I'm earning nothing on my money. Meanwhile, we know, we've talked about this on our podcast a lot, you can get some great yields and dividends being invested in the market. If we get any more surprises in the positive, that could virtually melt the market up. And if that happens, you can't just get out of cash and get back in. You're getting back in at much higher prices you miss that move. You miss a huge, huge portion of your return in the market. You never get that back. You know, Chris, you're a boater. And, you know, I think about this all the time. I mean, when you're in the market, when you're in an investment portfolio and the waves get rough, what's the worst thing you can do when you're in that boat? Well, the worst thing you can do, Dad, is abandon ship. You know, the boat is built to weather the storm. The boat can handle the storm way better than your body can. So the best idea is to stay in the boat. Yeah. So when you think of that portfolio in a volatile time, you just got to change the ballast, right? You got to rebalance your portfolio because eventually, you know, with all this good news coming, the election will be over. The GDP is going to continue to grow. Dr. Jeremy Siegel came out just the other day and said, you know, things are going to be choppy before now in the election. Like, no kidding, doc. But he said, 2021, we're going to boom. It's going to be an explosive economy because there's so much liquidity out there. 
Yeah. And the problem is you can't wait till 2021 to get invested, right? The market, we always say it looks to the future. The market's going to price that in ahead of time. And if you start looking at earnings, and last time I looked, it's not presidents that drive the market long-term, it's earnings. Earnings are going to rebound guys by 25% over the next 12 months. We're going to be back to where we were in 2019 by the end of next year. That's unbelievable. Well, you know, you have the economy that's getting better. You have the consumer that's never been stronger. We're as wealthy as we've ever been as a country. Believe it or not, even with all this volatility, right now, we're worth more than ever in the history of our lives. When you factor in the real estate values, your pension values, your corporate values, and we're borrowing less, right? So we have less money borrowed. And any money that you have borrowed, the cost of servicing that debt is the lowest in history. Man, it sounds like everybody should be excited and dancing in the street, not sitting there worried about an election, whether or not they should be out of the market. Yeah, I think it's great. We should all be dancing in the street just as long as we have our masks on. And to that point, Dad, you know, with the fact that rates are so low right now, you know, if you're sitting in a well-diversified portfolio, you're generating interest and dividends. Those interest and dividends can be used to service the debt. And then any excess that you have left over, you can use that money to reinvest. And I think really the point we're trying to make right now is that things are really cheap right now and the market's a great buy. Well, I think it comes down to thinking about this simply is you go to cash, you earn nothing. (laughs) You've got a huge risk that the market can melt up here. So meanwhile, if you stay invested and those dividends, to your point, Chris, keep coming out, you keep buying more and more shares of your investments because as you and I know, guys, we keep this simple. When the market finally does melt up, he or she with the most shares is going to win. And you can't do that sitting in cash. And if anything, if you're sitting in cash, you're going to be forced to buy in much higher later. That's a very, very bad place to be. All right, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And let's face it, guys, in our collective 70 years... It's a long time. I've got 20 under my belt now, Bob, so I'm catching up to you. We probably have seen every financial strategy under the sun. And you know what we know is some financial strategies work and some don't work at all and some can kind of work. So I thought what we could do is talk about some of these financial strategies that you might be using right now and we could actually apply it to different games like roulette, which is basically no skill at all. Chess, where it's all about skill. And poker, where there's probably elements of both. There's probably some skill and luck in there. So why don't we break it down? And the one that we talked about a little bit on the first segment is timing the market. Is that a good idea? What kind of strategy is that? And how would you equate that to those different games? Well, first of all, timing the market is the most impossible thing to ever do because you have to make three decisions. You got to time the market and decide when to get out. Then you got to decide when to get back in. And then you got to time both of those where they're appropriate. And I've never met anybody in history who could do it. And if they could, they should be wealthier than Warren Buffett. And I don't know anybody more wealthy than Warren Buffett. Well, sadly, Bob, we know from experience. There was a time when we thought we were masters of the universe. And we've talked about this before, where we literally called the 0809 recession. And we got out of the market. We thought we were so smart. And man, oh, man, there was nothing more painful, no pun intended, because your point, we had to figure out when to get back in. And what we learned is it's very hard to get back in when the news is really bad, even if it's a great buying opportunity. And had we just stayed with our regular strategy, we would have done better than timing the market, which is kind of crazy. Chris, you tell me all the time, you talk to some of your clients and some of your prospective clients and they tell you, well, you know, I've been out of the market since 2008. And you say, well, why did you get out? 
well, I had a feeling, right? I mean, is <laughs> having a feeling a good strategy? I don't think it's ever good to combine your emotions and your money. It's kind of like when you're a little kid, your mom says, don't play with your food. Well, the same thing goes to your money. Don't play with your money. <laughs> yeah, my money's kind of like soap, right? The more you handle it, the smaller it gets. Well, and make no mistake right now, guys, if you're looking to take your money out because the election, you're playing roulette. <laughs> it's absolutely what you're doing. You might be think you're smart, you're being proactive, and you can delude yourself into thinking those things, but you're playing roulette because again, if you get a melt up, you miss that move, you never get it back. Well, that return is lost forever. You might as well just sit in cash and not get back in. That's how severe it is. I think what you're saying, Rye, is that timing the market's like gambling, right? It's like playing roulette or playing poker. Yeah, there's a tiny bit of skill involved, but you know, I sit here in the Jersey Shore on the beach and when I look north, I see all those beautiful casino buildings. And I just wonder, how is it they're able to have these beautiful buildings full of marble if gamblers always win? <laughs> but I've got a strategy, Bob, that nobody else has. Well, I think that goes back to the saying that the house always wins. And going back to something we talked about earlier, the proverbial conventional wisdom where everything that's known out there is known to everybody else. So everybody else is thinking the same exact thing. So it just tells me that really nobody has an edge in this game. So it doesn't really make sense to gamble. So maybe... Robinhood, the platform that provides the trading platform, is making more money than all those traders. I don't know if I'm going on a limb here, guys, but it sounds to me like the house always wins, especially on Wall Street. Yeah, but I think the key is this, though, right? It really comes down to emotions. And I think the seduction of being negative, you know, for you to sit on your hands or to get out of the market is the worst strategy you could ever possibly have. I don't want you to be a perma bull, but I am. But I think it's a lot better than being a perma bear historically. I found that people who are more bullish or optimistic are a lot wealthier than people who are bearish and pessimistic. Yes, because the market only goes up 85% of the time if we're talking about odds. But something you can think about in your spare time. The other thing to think about, guys, is when it comes to financial strategies, money saved in taxes. We talk about this all the time. is just as green as any money you can make invested. And one thing you can do right now, maybe it is a year where your taxes are lower because we're in the pandemic. You know, you don't have the income you typically do. Well, maybe it's a good time to take some of your retirement money and convert it to a Roth IRA where you pay the taxes now, and then that money's completely tax-free for the rest of your life. That's a pro strategy. Absolutely, Ryan. I think especially for folks that are over the age of 72, where they have to take money out of their IRAs this year because of the CARES Act, that was something that was put to the side. So they don't have to do that. This year would be a phenomenal year to take that money and move it to a Roth because they would have had to take it out anyway. I mean, one of the big election platforms that we're hearing is, you know, one party wants to raise taxes. The other party wants to spend money. Oh, both parties want to spend money. When you're spending all this money, doesn't it have to be paid back? I mean, doesn't it ultimately mean that most of us are going to be paying more in taxes? I mean, Bob, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of faith in our government, and I think they're going to actually lower taxes over the next couple of years. What do you guys think about that? I think it's safe to say that taxes are on sale right now, and chances are taxes will probably go up in the future. Well, here's the thing. Do you guys have any clients that call their accountant every year and go, look, could you figure out how I can pay the maximum amount of tax to the government? I just think they deserve it. I mean, does anybody think that minimizing tax is a brilliant idea? So one of the best things you can do is convert some of your IRA over to Roth. Maybe it's a little painful this year in terms of the tax you pay, but look at it over your lifetime. Saving taxes this is the biggest American, greatest American pastime, you know, better than baseball making sure that you avoid as much tax as possible. On top of which, Dad, it's also basically like guaranteed return because that's money you're not paying out to the government. That's money that stays in your pocket. Now, how could you not love a guarantee? I actually put that strategy under poker because there's elements in there of we don't really know what the tax rules are going to be. But if again, if we were to bet, we probably bet the taxes are going to be higher 
in the next couple of years. So this could be a very, very good year to do that. Now, I would say talk to your accountant, talk to your financial advisor before you do something like that. But it's a great year to exploit any tax benefits in your portfolio. And guys, that's one thing that we do day and night. We're always thinking about those little tax tweaks that they're tiny tweaks to make, but they have huge impacts on your financial life long-term. To me, that's the kind of plays that you want to have in your portfolio right now. You know what I find, guys? You know, Investing is boring. Going to the casino is a lot of fun. Now, Chris, there are times when you and I are doing 401k meetings and we have people who would rather go and put some money in a roulette wheel than get the company match for their 401k. Well, that's true, Dad. And the big benefit that people don't really realize is that it's a double-edged sword there. One, you get a tax deduction for making a contribution. So you're saving money there. You're making money there. And two, the money's growing in your account. So that's two areas that's almost like a guaranteed return, whereas the casino you put some money on, you could basically lose all that money that you put up front. Oh man, I got a brilliant idea, Chris. Let's give out drinks while we're doing <laughs> 401k meetings. I think it's the free drinks that maybe that makes it so attractive. Well, guys, I gotta be honest. I'm a little bothered by the fact you're saying we have a boring profession. I think we're exciting guys. Chris wore the red sweater out last night because he's <laughs> ready to party. <laughs> Which, you know, also talking about gambling, casino, picking stocks is another one that I would put under roulette. And right now you're seeing stock speculation run rampant. We've talked a lot about these trading platforms and all these millennial investors getting involved and valuations just insane on some of these work from home stocks. You know, I made the joke the other day that Peloton is just a glorified Nordic track. You know that's going to be collecting dust in somebody's basement in the next couple of years. This isn't beginning of some new era. There's always exercise equipment that is so hot for a year or two that we forget later. You guys know it. I know it. We've seen it over and over again. Well, this is where your family and friends are the most dangerous thing to talk to people about is investing because no one ever brags at a cocktail party or at a family gathering about how much money they lost you know, on an investment. They picked the one investment they got lucky on and brag till the sun comes down. It's even worse right now because a lot of these new investors in the market is they're getting a lot of wins because the market's going straight up, specifically in these tech names. And what you never want to do is confuse, Bob, this is one of your famous sayings, is brains with a bull market. <laughs> you know, you're going to be ruined to think that you're smart at investing. And when that music stops, it's going to be one of the most painful lessons you can possibly learn. So I think the smartest thing you can do right now is get educated on being diversified and being a long-term investor where you own lots of markets as opposed to a couple individual stocks and thinking you're smart because maybe something went in your favor. It's always better to know when you're lucky and when you're good. And I'd rather be lucky than good personally. Well, when people brag about their big killing in the market, they always try and make you feel so dumb and small. So here's what you should say when someone tells you about their big hit, big killing in the market. You say, well, you had every dollar invested in that. All your money was invested in one stock. Or did you have money in other investments? It's like, uh, yeah, how much did you make? Oh, I made $1,000. Big deal. What's your investment strategy? And nobody puts everything on red. Unless you're a Robinhood trader. <laughs> well, just to wrap up, I think we can all agree that going to Atlantic City or going to Las Vegas and playing a couple of casino games and gambling a little bit can be fun. But I think when you're putting your entire future, your entire net worth in that strategy can potentially be very detrimental to your long-term financial health for you and your family. Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get started financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over 500000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review 
at www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Okay, Bob, 85% of our energy needs are currently satisfied by coal, oil, and natural gas. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. What do you think? You know, Rod, you would think, by the way, the energy segment is performing in the market this year that we all have renewable energy. You know, right now, I think probably the energy sector might be one of the best buying opportunities in our lifetime. Fossil fuels are not going away anytime soon. Chris, exports to the U.S. amount to a mere 3% of Beijing's gross domestic product at this point. I guess China's not that reliant on us. Well, I mean, that may be true, but we're still their biggest country as far as overall exports. Uh, They export about 16.8% of their total exports come to the U.S., which is three times as high as its second biggest receiver of exports, which is Japan. Well, then maybe we should start a trade war with them. Just food for thought. (laughs) Bob, there's another coronavirus that has already been identified in bats in China that could spread into humans. We're seeing one every few years. This is a consequence of how we're living. It's not just an isolated event. Well, you know, viruses have been with us as long as we've been around, Rye, but the last pandemic was 100 years ago. So hopefully these viruses will be there, but we won't have a pandemic until the next 100 years. And I have to wonder too, with just all the money going into life sciences right now, how much better prepared we'll be the next time, especially as we become more globalized. It's going to be a whole revolution probably in the whole life sciences industry, which is kind of cool. Are you telling me I might live forever? (laughs) With that great head of hair, it's possible, Bob. It's possible. Chris, in 2020's first half, asset flows into sustainable investment funds hit $1 trillion plus, matching the total for all of 2019 and easily beating 2018's $600 billion. ESG funds are hot right now. Yeah, that sounds like people are just feeling guilty because 85% of our energy needs are still currently satisfied by coal, oil, and natural gas. Well, the crazy thing is the performance has been very, very good. And one of the reasons is they don't have traditional energy exposure, which has done horrible over the course of the last couple of years. But I wonder if we get a big rebound in fossil fuels, those ESG funds may not perform as well. So you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So Bob... The average TV bought in North America now has a 50-inch display and a price of just $360. TVs are notoriously very, very low-margin consumer electronics business. Yeah, it just seems to me, Rye, that it's always the guy in the household that buys the TV. And for one reason or another, they seem to get bigger every year. (laughs) Well, I think judging by the TVs you bought over the years, you may always have the biggest TV of anyone I know in any house you're in, Bob. Doesn't everybody? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're an inspiration to all of us. Okay, Chris. A lot of Chinese stats today. I don't know why. It's like Fox Business. China National Railroad Corporation unveiled plans for more than double the length of China's high-speed railroad network, already the world's longest, to more than 70,000 kilometers within 15 years, connecting China's largest megacities. Well, you know what, Rye? I wish China National Railway Corporation would take over Amtrak because that ride between New York City has been killing my back for the last 10 years. It only takes like two hours to get to New York, and those trains look like they're from the Soviet era, but I digress. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, well, great podcast today. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. 
Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,